Hello everyone and welcome back to On Deck with Josh. Today is Wednesday, February 24th. And I hope you all had a fantastic day. Today is actually a very special day, by the way, as we reach double digits. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is episode number 10. I'm excited to continue going forward with this and I hope you, the listeners, are just as excited as I am as we talk about our favorite sports, whether it's baseball or softball or both. And of course, it's all opinion-based. It's just us being fans and talking baseball or softball. So if you have not followed me on Twitter, go ahead and follow me at OnDeckWithJosh. Or you could always email me and we can converse, keep in touch, OnDeckWithJosh at gmail.com. I am more than excited to, you know, interact with you guys, the listeners. And of course, you can always call me out if I said something wrong. Or of course, if you want to share your opinions I am more than happy to hear them out. Again, if you do hear some noise in the background, I apologize as I am driving from work to home, but this is what this podcast is all about. It's just about us being fans and talking. Let's just converse together. Anyway, let's dive right into it. As far as baseball goes, MLB that is, we do not have too much to talk about. There wasn't much going on, but I did notice I might have missed a couple of of, of transactions, so I want to bring them up real quick. The Oakland A's, they signed Mitch Moreland. Mitch Moreland, as we all know, he played over at uh, Texas with the Rangers, and he has a lot of power. He did play with Boston as well, so he has potential to be that big bat for them. Um, I don't see him as being the starter since they got Matt Olson there, and uh, Matt Olson is amazing, not only in defense, but of course he has that raw power. So Mitch Moreland will probably be serving as a DH since they don't have Chris Davis anymore and or probably would get a start here and there at first base if Olsen needs a break or he's just not producing or he gets hurt, of course. So um, I think it's a good pickup for Seattle. I'm sorry, for Oakland. Um, And I think it's a little interesting because they just made that trade recently uh, with Texas where they picked up um, Elvis Andrews. So, you know, it's... It's pretty cool um, to see players go with a rival team. However, since the Rangers have not been that, you know, aggressive, competitive team like they were uh, back in the early 2010s, then I guess you can't really consider them that big of a rival at the moment. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it's just Oakland taking advantage of them. But anyway, it's not a huge signing, uh, but I do think it gives them something off the bench and or as a DH. So, that was pretty much it for Oakland. Uh, the D-backs, they signed as Drupal Cabrera. Uh, this is something I completely forgot to talk about. Uh, I might have just completely missed it. But anyway, as Drupal Cabrera is a pretty interesting story. Um, he played with the Washington Nationals on that team that won the World Series a couple seasons ago. And uh, as Drupal was pretty clutch for them. Pretty clutch. And that's the thing about as Drupal, he can come in and strike at random times. So he's a pretty... Uh, interesting signing, um, especially for someone like the D-Bags. They don't really need to compete, but I'm glad they're making some moves to at least not look as bad as, well, I was going to say the Pirates, but they've made a couple moves as well, even though their moves, you know. Anyway, we're not going to talk trash today. It's a good signing for the D-Bags. This Dribble Cabrera is very versatile um, in the infield, so it's a good signing, and if he's, you know, sneaky like he was with the with the Nationals where he was producing pretty good numbers, I can see him getting traded uh, down the line, 
because the D-backs are not going to compete this season, especially in that extremely powerful NL West with the Dodgers and the Padres. The Rangers, they signed Ian Kennedy to a minor league deal contract with an invite to spring training. So again, here's uh, the Rangers, as I mentioned them earlier today, and they pick up Ian Kennedy, who was pretty decent um, when he first came up, and then he kind of just started falling off the grid, per se. So they lost Lance Lynn, um, and I am not saying Kennedy is there to replace Lynn, but they do need pitching. So, you know, it's a good, decent pickup for cheap, um, you know, not too much money. And if Ian Kennedy does make the team and he's able to produce something for them, uh, he might end up getting traded himself if he could put up numbers, of course, uh, because, again, the Rangers are in no position to compete. In fact, I feel the Angels have a better chance of competing for the AL West. Even though I don't see them winning the West, I really, really don't. Houston pretty much has that on lockdown, um, but Angels have a better chance. So, yeah, I see uh, Rangers getting rid of Kennedy if he's doing well um, during the season. And last but not least, the San Francisco Giants have signed Scott Casimir to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. That is the Scott Casimir we're talking about, the one that was in Tampa Bay, played for the Dodgers, the Indians, the Angels. Um, yeah, he was very, very good over at Tampa Bay, and for like the beginning of the season when he first got traded to the Angels, he was pretty darn solid there as well. Uh, and then he kind of just started getting hurt, started not producing numbers, and so I believe he played in Arizona too, but I could be wrong, uh, but you know, as a my, I saw a video of him just pitching, uh, warming up. There's a lot of movement to his fastball. Um, I want to say it's a, a nice little two seam, maybe a sinker, um, but it is. It looks really nice. Obviously, I am not a professional hitter, so I don't know what it would look like at the batter's box. The view in this video, which was on Twitter, I believe, um, was from the pitcher's mound, and you could just see the movement. It looked great. Um, he was hitting about 91 miles per hour, maybe 92. So, you know, the velocity is not up in the 95 area anymore. But at 91, 92, with that kind of movement, if he can place it right, I think he can do something. Um, will he make... I, I, I believe he'll make the club. I really do. Um, I don't know if he'll produce great numbers. But I think he has a chance to at least be at least decent. Uh, but, you know, he his base salary will be $600,000 if he does make the big league team. Um, and if he doesn't, I don't know what the minor league minimum is or whatever. Uh, but obviously, look for him to, to make the big league club, man. Uh, that's every baseball player's dream, of course, or goal. If they've been there already, their goal is to get back to a major league club. Uh, Scott Casimir... It's going to be very interesting to watch him pitch, and hopefully he does make the big leagues because I like him. I like him, actually. But he does have, a, I guess, his biggest um, wall or that he has to climb or whatever is going to be the fact that he's 37 years old. So it's a little bit harder, a lot harder, I should say, obviously, for someone of his age to try to come back and pitch. I think he hasn't pitched in, like, three years or something like that. So... It's pretty tough, you know, how how is he going to be? How is his athleticism now? And so that is going to be an interesting story to watch. So look out for that, guys. If you're a Giants fan, check it out and see what he could do for you.
that was pretty much it as far as baseball goes, MLB goes. Um, and of course, there's a little bit of college softball and baseball I want to talk about. So let me start off with college softball. There was no upsets in last night's games as far as the top 25 teams go uh, for the rankings. But there was a very interesting series or two, what is it, uh, doubleheader, I should say, um, that was going on. And I want to talk about that. Number 12, LSU won both games versus Central Texas, but it was a tight, both games were very tight. It was pitchers duel all around. Um, so even though Central Arkansas lost, did I say Central Texas? I don't know if I said Central Texas, but Central Arkansas is a team that LSU was playing against. And um, they pitched very well. So even though Arkansas lost both games, man, they should not, you know, lower their head. They should keep that head up high because they did very good in both games. Anyway, so Central Arkansas, her the pitcher, Rio Sanchez, she pitched great for game one um, as she went six innings, allowing four hits, three earned runs, four walks, and three strikeouts. But LSU's Shelby Wilkersham, she pitched even better for the Tigers, going seven innings, four hits, obviously no runs allowed, four walks, and six strikeouts, winning her second game of the season and their 17th game of her career. So, you know, no shame in how um, Rio was pitching. She pitched amazing. It's just she unfortunately got out-dueled as her team couldn't score, and they ended up losing that first game 3-0. And in game two, um, game two was just as close uh, because it actually was a little bit closer. It was 2-0 LSU. And the only run scored by LSU came in the first inning as Taylor Pleasance hit a two-run home run. Her only hit of the game, but it came big. And it was her fourth of the season and her eighth in the career, in her career. So, obviously, pitching duel all the way across. First inning, they scored the two runs. And after that, nobody scored at all. Um, some people may call that boring. I call it amazing. Uh, when it comes down to pitchers battling it out like that, it must be very fun. Uh, Central Arkansas's pitcher, Jordan Johnson, she went six innings pitched, allowing five hits, two earned runs, again, only in the first inning. Uh, she walked three and struck out three. And LSU's Ali Kilponen, if I butchered that name, I'm sorry. She went seven, in seven innings, allowed three hits, no walks, no earned runs, and struck out 14. So obviously amazing pitching all around, uh, but Allie did very, very good. It was her first win of the season, but it's her 12th of her career. And now LSU is six and three for the season, thanks to these two victories. Um, but hey, Central Arkansas did not make it any easy for them. So I thought that was a very interesting series there, the doubleheader, and um, LSU came on top. So congratulations to them. But like I said, there's no shame in losing to LSU like that when you're when you're battling it out like that man I'm sure the coach is uh, somewhat at least a little bit proud of her girls for for battling like that as far as college baseball goes there was two upsets that we were going to talk about uh, the first one is number 13 NC State got upset by UNC Greensboro 16th to 13 so unlike the girls over in softball the pitching wasn't there for these guys but there was a ton of offense um, left and right just scoring like crazy. UNCG's Corey Rosier, Rosier went two for six with a double, a triple, and four RBIs. Hogan Windish went two for six with a home run, 
two ribbies and two runs scored. And Oris Kavanaugh went three for five. Owen Karen, I think his name's Owen Kavanaugh, but I must have just spelled it wrong on my notes. But he went three for five with two doubles, two RBIs, two runs scored, and a stolen base. NC State, Austin Murr went five for six with an RBI. Um, and three runs scored. Luca Tresh went four for five with a home run and four RBIs with two runs scored. And Johnny Butler, he went two for three with a home run, a three-run shot actually, four ribbies and three runs scored. So both teams obviously had offense. It's just that UNCG's offense was a bit better, and that's what got them the victory. But you know, to to beat number thirteen NC State like that, it, it's kind of a big deal. Um, so I'm sure those guys are proud of themselves, and it's not even today or yesterday's victory against them that's pretty big. UNCG is actually three and one for the season, so they're doing pretty darn good. Um, I know it's early in the season, but still, it must be feel really good to beat a ranked team, um, even in a high-scoring game like that. So, good job to UNCG on that. And the second game that I wanted to talk about was Coastal Carolina, as they beat number 16 Wake Forest four to one. So obviously a much better pitching game um, or a pitching battle in this game than uh, the North Carolina game. But anyway, uh, Coastal Carolina, none of their hitters had more than one base hit. So pretty much they just hit at the right times, I guess. Um, and their pitchers allowed seven hits, two walks, one air run, and 17 strikeouts which is huge for your pitchers to strike out that many guys. Um, obviously, they're not going to score that many runs if they can only walk twice and get struck out 17 times. That's one thing I've been preaching about this in this podcast, guys. Low walks is always a good thing. Obviously, if you give up a ton of home runs, even though you don't walk any, it's a whole other story. But generally speaking, if you don't walk many uh, batters, it's generally better and walking two batters is not bad at all uh 17 strikeouts obviously is a good thing but that pretty much made wake forest go two and two for the season so not too worried about them i think they're still a pretty good club wake forest uh but it was very interesting to see coastal carolina pitch that well um as far as you know striking out so many guys not allowing many walks and seven hits isn't too crazy either so congratulations to them on getting their victory and that's pretty much it. That's all I got for today, guys. I know it's very, very small and um, not much information. But that's pretty much all I was able to put together. Uh, but I will definitely talk more about, you know, tonight's games and, and any transactions. So I am more than happy to see you or talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.